0: Asshole Court is a biweekly podcast in which a group of lifelong friends choose a controversial public figure and examine their history through available public records and various publications to determine if that person is as much of an asshole as the general public suspects.
1: We rate the subjects on a not-so-scientific scale, ranging from Mr. Rogers to Hitler, 1 to 11, and
2: average out the three scores in the end for our final number. Just a reminder, our judgment has no legal weight, is strictly an opinion, and is subject to change at any time, especially in the case of new evidence. It shouldn't be taken seriously, so just don't. It's the American way seeing people's rise to meteoric fame, and then deep down, somewhat enjoying their fall back to earth just as quickly. Whether it's an athlete, musician, or one of those damn TikTok D-bags, I think it's the innate feeling of people seeing celebrities be humbled that makes them feel better about their own lives. Some have a sad story, and others just seem to fuck it up themselves. The story of this show's subject, Lance Armstrong, who was suggested to us by listener Christina Hoffman, definitely falls into the latter category. Armstrong had earned legendary status in the early 2000s as he dominated the cycling world, winning a record seven Tour de France titles and introducing many to a sport they had never really paid attention to. Lance seemed to be on top of the world for a few years, and then it all seemed to come crashing down around him. Was Lance really the mastermind behind a massive doping scandal that would rock the cycling landscape? Did he really have the ball to cheat his way to stardom and not think he would be caught? Unfortunately, most of us know the answers to these questions, but today we'll dive into the life and times of the cycling sensation, inflate the tires, put on that lame cycling jersey, dig that yellow bracelet out of the trash, and enjoy this episode of Asshole Court. boys let's get your initial scores for lance armstrong
0: all right i'll jump off on this one um i didn't know too much about lance going into this i mean i don't know if the listeners know but randy and mikey are definitely more the sports aficionados out of the group um, you know i definitely fall more into movies science fiction and all that so i remember hearing about lance during the heyday i remember the yellow bracelet and i remember Livestrong and hearing a lot about all the good that he did for cancer survivors and people who actually got the disease i remember hearing about the doping scandal you know i i don't know how i feel about that one way or another it does seem pretty i need to have a little bit more history on it and a little bit more information before i can make a decision based on that but i'm just going to base him right off the rip from the stuff that i do know and that's just top athlete live strong and uh you know, I know that these top athletes tend to be a, a little bit more of a jerk in their professional life, so I got to assume that he is a little bit. So I'm going to give him a, I don't know, five point five off the rip, maybe. All right, I, I think 5.5. that's about. I think it's about right. Sure.
1: Yeah, I uh, remember the whole uh, Lance Armstrong craze, and uh, I remember me being the contrarian that I am. I was the dickhead that uh, was pointing out that I'm pretty sure that this guy is doping or something's wrong here. And, uh, everybody would just give me tons of shit for saying that out loud. Like at the time I was like, come on, let's be realistic here. I just don't see how this guy isn't doping. The numbers were statistically improbable. Sure. And, but if you said that at the time, he was like an American hero. It's like saying, you know, George Washington was a rapist or something like that. And people were like, you shut your mouth. You shut um, it right now. And yeah. And I think that irritated me enough that because of that, I found myself digging in and liking Lance Armstrong less. So I'm extremely biased here. You know, a lot of that stuff was confirmed and we're going to get into that, obviously. But I would say to start him off, I, I would clock him in at Like, yeah, yeah, he didn't, you know, I, I'd say six. Just, I didn't like the guy.
2: Okay. Yeah. And like you said, buddy, I'm a sports guy. So when Armstrong was winning all those titles, I would actually watch a little bit of the Tour de France to see if he was able to pull off a victory. And I don't know how many people out there watch cycling. It's not Especially that bad, Especially back in the 90s and yeah. early aughts. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. He uh, definitely captivated the American public with his comeback from cancer story. But just like Barry Bonds and Mark McGuire of the world, I knew it had to be a little too good to be true. Mm-hmm. And once the story broke, it kind of all unfolded. Not only did he cheat to get to where he was, he denied it for years until yeah. pretty much his teammates were the ones that ratted on him. Yeah. He did start live Livestrong, um, swept the nation, um, but it, too, lost its luster after everyone found out he was a fucking cheater. So, how much of an asshole does it really make him? I don't know. But I'm going to start him off pre-show score of a 6.0 as well. Okay. All right. All right. Very good. All right. With a 5.5 from Buddy,
0: a 6.0 from Mikey, and a 6.0 from Randy. Lance Armstrong's pre-show asshole score is a five point eight three. All right, all right, good. All
2: right, y'all ready? Let's cycle. Lance Edward Gunderson was born September eighteenth, nineteen seventy one, in Richardson, Texas. Wait, a Gunderson? Second. There you go. Yeah, okay. We're already learning.
1: Yeah, there all we go. Right.
2: That's right. He is the son of Linda, a secretary, and Eddie Gunderson, who was a route manager for the Dallas Morning News. Both were high school dropouts. Oh. He was named after Lance Rensel, a Dallas Cowboys wide receiver. Oddly enough, Rensel was arrested in 1970, the year before Lance was born, for exposing himself to a ten-year-old girl. Oh.
0: Whoa! Oh, yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> a year before Lance was <laughs> born. Uh. Yep.
2: So why is? Uh, yeah. He I don't said, know.
1: "Man, that guy can catch the ball, but I tell you what, I really love." Him whipping his dick out of that kid. <laughs> <laughs> that's Made like one of us
2: after him.
0: That's like one of us naming our kids after Pee Wee, or like our parents naming us Pee Wee back. Yeah, maybe
2: Reuben Stuttered was <laughs> named after Paul Rubens. <laughs>
0: Man
1: Yeah Even what Pee Wee did Wasn't that bad He went to a Jack's theater To Jack Like everybody else was You know what I'm saying What else do you do there Like Big shot cops You get to go into A porno theater And there's a guy Beaten off What do you think They're there to do It's like a film festival Crack the case Yeah I'm here
2: yeah. for the acting yeah. So why his parents Decided to name him After a kid flasher I'll never know Well Rensel did play For the Dallas Cowboys And you know how Those goddamn Cowboys fans are Yeah Oh yeah his parents divorced in 1973 when Lance was two. The next year, his mother married Terry Keith Armstrong, who adopted Lance that year. Lance then became Lance Armstrong.
1: Okay, so That's it sounds my- like uh, Eddie Gunnerson is a fucking dildo, because anytime a kid drops your name to take some other dude's name, yep. then they're just like, you're not even my real dad.
0: Well, he adopted him when he was three, so he didn't.
1: Yeah, but I, I've known people that have been adopted and they
2: kept their... Oh no doubt original Well name. according to
0: Lance He says uh, I got adopted when I was three And I kept it But then I started Really making a name For myself at 15 mm-hmm. And I just never changed My name back I just kind of got lost Well and he, in he the said situation. straight up
2: Lance Armstrong sounds A lot better than Lance, Lance Gunderson. Gunderson Yeah Yeah Much yeah. more of a strong name
0: Yeah but I would have
1: Changed the Lance thing too Because of the uh, the, the, the kid the flasher, flasher. <laughs> Yeah <laughs> so Today would have been like Huge Armstrong Yeah
2: <laughs> <laughs> And he turns out to be a professional arm wrestler. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. His name
1: is Hugh J. Armstrong. (laughs) And couldn't it have been Leg Strong?
2: It could have. (laughs) Linda bought Armstrong his first bike, a Schwinn Mag Scrambler, when he was seven years old.
0: Anytime I hear Schwinn, I always think of Mike Myers. (laughs) Schwinn!
2: He immediately began to ride it every day and soon proved that he was a natural athlete. I remember getting a 10-speed bike one time. Yeah. It was Christmas Eve and my parents were playing Santa Claus and putting all the presents under the tree. So naturally, I snuck out of my room to go see what was going on. (laughs) I saw a purple and black 10-speed bike in the living room and got super pissed because I thought my sister was getting a new bike and I wasn't. (laughs) They gave you that
0: purple bike. (laughs) Most kids are up on Christmas Eve because they can't get to bed. They're so excited about what they're going to get and randy's over here pissed off up all night
2: yep turns out it was me that was getting the purple and black 10 speed
1: bro i think that your mom or dad like secretly hated you because they made you wear women's reebok pumps gave you a women's bike so they really wanted another girl it
2: wasn't that they hated me they were very very frugal so i had a budget for shoes for school shoes so going back to the pumps um $50 $50 was yeah. my, my school shoe budget yeah. back in the day. Oh, we remember. And we would go to the JCPenney outlet store right. to get our clothes. Yep. And in the clearance bin- Got some bitch pumps, I'm boy. I'm telling <laughs> you. There was a pair of Reebok pumps. And they were the aerobic pumps, which were unisex. I'll have you know. They weren't women's. Purple in the 90s they were was not and, unisex. They were purple and pink. And uh, <laughs> I decided to, it was a risky gamble. And it didn't yeah. pay off because I decided to get the, the pumps- yeah. And uh, I remember hearing shit, but I mean...
1: The budget for that bike, they couldn't throw in a $5 can of Krylon to fucking... Again, I
2: guarantee (laughs) that bike was on sale at some store. And they're like, oh, Randy needs a new bike. We'll just go ahead and get him that one.
1: He won't mind. Yeah. Yeah. It's not like kids are mean and will make fun of you for wearing... Yeah, Uh,
2: yeah, purple and pink (laughs) shoes and a fucking purple and black 10 speed.
1: Now I'm starting to understand your hyper-masculinity because it was a reaction to being like, I ain't no bitch.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Play some football. Well, and like I said, I wasn't too impressed. I like BMX bikes and my friends and I love to jump the curbs and catch air. Yeah. So I fucked that bike up within six (laughs) months, bent the wheels and pretty much just trashed it. Yeah. Yeah. They
1: should have known when they got you that first car that the same thing was going (laughs) to (laughs) happen. That was within six hours. Within six
2: hours, I totaled my first car. That's a a story for another day. I was in the hatch. Buddy was in the hatch when uh, we flew Uh, off the road through a fence and hit a tree. We'll get into that story at another time. Anyway. So, in addition to biking, Armstrong took up running. When he was in fifth grade, he began running six miles a day after school and soon was entering long-distance competitions on weekends. Armstrong also tried team sports like football, baseball, and basketball, but found that he was better at activities like swimming that required endurance.
1: And masturbating. Yeah. Still <laughs> sports.
2: And he's definitely kind of a little guy. So, it doesn't surprise me that he didn't wind up being a, a middle linebacker or yeah. anything like that.
1: He could have been a DB or something, maybe.
2: He was a DB.
1: <laughs> <laughs> nice.
2: When he joined the local swim club, Armstrong would ride his bike 10 miles to early morning practices, then pedal to school. After school, he would jump back on his bike and ride 10 miles back to the swim club to swim more laps.
1: God, I like, man, I'd be a little concerned if that was my kid. I'm telling like, what you, what a freak, man. This dude is for real. Like, you're like, hey, you know, it's a hobby or something like that. But he's like rolling 10 miles on a bike to go swim and then run or whatever. I, that dude's you're like, he's either going to be something special or he's going to fucking shoot a lot of people.
2: <laughs> and like his parents, I'm sure like, I don't have to give him a ride anywhere. It's great. Yeah, he's great. just taking himself where he wants to go. Little marathon boy over there. Right. You know. mm-hmm. Think about how times have changed, though. Would you ever let how old was he? Fifth grade. Your fifth oh, yeah, grader,
1: absolutely not. Oh, ride no. 10,
2: 15 miles, 20 miles round trip to school and. Mm-hmm. Fifth grade? No way. Ah, the world we live in now. Well, it wasn't all sunshine and roses for the young Lance. In his 30 for 30 documentary on ESPN, Lance was quoted as saying his stepfather beat him like a fucking animal. Armstrong's Damn. stepfather saw it much differently. According to him, he was hard on Armstrong as a way to motivate him. Stepdad Terry was quoted as saying. Lance would not be the champion he is today without me because I drove him. I drove him like an animal. That's the only thing I feel bad about. Did I make him too much, win at all costs? Lance said Terry was kind of terrible and would punish him for things like leaving his dresser drawer open in his room.
1: Terry the terrible Armstrong? <laughs> <and the fucking laughs> resident, <the man. laughs> look here brother if you don't win that goddamn marathon i'm gonna punch you in the face and if you leave that dresser drawer open again i'm gonna fucking drop the bow on you motherfucker I'm, i'm just being i'm being tough but fair you lose i punch you
2: so uh lance said sure enough i would leave a drawer open and he would pull out his fraternity paddle and just beat the shit out of me lance said not sure if you guys have any experience getting hit with a fraternity paddle but i can tell you from firsthand experience it's no bueno
0: <laughs> and especially if you're not a college student at the time and yeah. especially if you're a uh, middle schooler or yeah. elementary schooler Getting
2: hit with a frat paddle Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Terry Armstrong acknowledged that he was tough on Lance about cleaning his room he said that Lance's mother was always there and explained that his parenting style was influenced by his military school background it was a bend over and take your licks he said of punishing Lance <laughs> sounds more like a line from Pornhub instead of a parenting <laughs> style
1: I'm gonna get that paddle out and I bend over <laughs> He says this is what we used to do in the frat He's like get butt naked We're going to do the elephant walk There's nothing wrong with that There's nothing wrong with that It ain't gay
2: Terry said I was a taskmaster But I didn't put my arms around him enough And tell him I loved him I was always there Always coaching him And always pushing him But I didn't show him the love I should have Definitely sounds like the dude was a, a bit of a dick Yeah it sounds like a military guy Barely in his teens Armstrong was already competing in amateur cycling races He also began to enter triathlons, contests that combine swimming, biking, and running, all of his favorite activities. At age 13, the skilled Armstrong took home the top prize at the Iron Kids Triathlon, which includes swimming 200 meters, cycling 6.2 miles, and running 1.2 miles.
1: You know, I was about to say, like, okay, but he's a kid, so that's actually... Pretty impressive. Man. Yeah,
2: yeah, no, that's a, yeah. Oh, I remember getting the Sports Illustrated for Kids magazine yeah, yeah. when I was growing up, and that reading about the triathletes, and I'm like, man, that sounds like a bit much. Yeah, I'm not sure, I could. I do got all a that. different <laughs>
1: magazine. It was about biathletes, and uh, that was an accident. I didn't mean to pick that magazine up. It just changed the way I viewed the world.
0: I just stole all my grandparents' Reader's Digests. There you go. Yeah,
2: the I would always read. <laughs> <laughs> my grandparents too had the Reader's Digest, and I remember going to their house. When I would sit on the toilet, yep, and that was always a good way to pass time because yeah. it was boring at your grandparents' house. Yeah, oh yeah, 100%. you can sit there and read the jokes. Read the jokes. The jokes that was always the, pretty yeah. good. Yeah. As a teenager, Armstrong said he used to forge birth certificate to circumvent minimum age requirements for entering triathlons. There you go. He said you had to be 16, so we'd forge my birth certificate. He described the process like this: forge the certificate, compete illegally, and then beat everybody.
0: All right. So we're already establishing a pattern of lying sure. right off the rip. Yeah.
2: Yeah. In, okay. in retrospect, this seems entirely in character for Armstrong. <laughs> yeah. At the same time, it was sort of like cheating in reverse. He was breaking the rules, much like he did later in life, but he wasn't exactly gaining an advantage because he was competing against yep. older athletes.
0: Yeah. He was just circumventing like liabilities that they had in place because yep. they didn't mm-hmm. want 15 year olds swimming in these lakes and stuff like that and then possibly dying. Right. You know, so.
2: In 1987, when he was 16, Armstrong turned professional in the triathlon. He was the National Sprint Course Triathlon Champion in 1989 and 1990. Because of his amazing success that same year, 1987, he was invited to be tested by the Cooper Institute for Aerobic Research in Houston, Texas. Researchers measured the amount of oxygen his lungs consumed during exercise and discovered that he was truly a phenomenon. Armstrong's oxygen levels were the highest the clinic ever recorded, which meant that his lung capacity, which is so critical for endurance, made him a natural athlete.
1: They were like, "How do we do this test?" He's like, "All right, check out. I want you to take this glass pipe." <laughs> oh, he cleared that whole thing. Goddamn <laughs> the lung capacity on this kid! That Next, six foot bong
0: rip. Yeah. <laughs> Next, Michael Phelps.
2: <laughs> huh. huh? <laughs> Although he was taking home top prizes as a triathlete and raking in almost 20000 a year by the age of 17, Armstrong's real love was cycling. He began training with more experienced riders and quickly rose in the amateur ranks. Armstrong drew so much attention that when he was a senior at Plano East High School, he was approached by the U.S. Olympic development team to go and train in Colorado Springs, Colorado. Going to Colorado for six weeks would mean that he might risk not graduating, but the opportunity was one he could not pass up. So, was Lance on the same path to being a high school dropout like his parents? Nah. After taking private makeup classes, Armstrong did graduate from high school on time in
0: 1989.
2: Okay. Right. Yeah. Good for him. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Following summer, he qualified for the 1990 Junior World Team and placed 11th in the World Championship Road Race, with the best time of any American since 1976. Okay. That wow. same year, he became the U.S. National Amateur Champion and beat out many professional cyclists to win two major races- the first Union Grand Prix, and the ever-so-popular Thrift Drug Classic. Oh, yeah. Oh, well, yeah. Everybody knows the Thrift Drug Classic.
1: I do remember Thrift Drug, though. Do you guys remember Thrift
2: Drug? No. Mm-hmm. What are they, like a-,
0: a drugstore. A Walgreens or something yeah, like that? basically. Eckerd's. You know, yeah. yeah.
2: So, uh, 1992, Armstrong turned professional with the Motorola Cycling Team. In August of 93, the 21-year-old Armstrong won his most important race yet. The World Road Race Championship in Oslo, Norway. The World Road Race Championship? <laughs> That'd be fun to watch. I mean, oh, man. I'll
1: fucking kill you! They're like, well, he gets good points for that one, Johnny. <laughs> oh, he's pulling a gun out.
0: <laughs> you know, I heard that uh, after he won that, just due to his mouth and his cockiness, he didn't really have much fanfare. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's quoted as saying, he, he's like making a commercial or something. Mm-hmm. And he talks about, uh, he goes, bottom line is, I'm a competitor. And I still like training hard and going out and kicking ass. I like that, and I got a lot more ass
2: to kick. So, was well, he dazed and confused? I am yeah. here to kick ass and drink some beer. Yes. All right, so that's I'm what I thought. Out of beer. Yeah. That was the
0: first thing that came into my head. So I went back and looked. Guess what? year, dazed and confused came out ninety three. Yep, sure enough. So uh-huh. he like watched that movie yeah. and was sitting there quoting it on commercials. I'm just like that dude,
2: I am Clint. Yeah, dude, yeah. that's me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, the World Road Race in Oslo. It's a one day event covering one hundred and sixty one miles. As the leader of the Motorola team, he overcame some pretty difficult conditions, pouring rain, which made the road slick, and caused him to crash twice during the race, Uh, but he did win to become the youngest person and only the second American to ever win the contest. Wow, he crashed twice and still won? And still won, yeah. Wow. So, now we're going to start to dive into what most people know about Lance Armstrong. His courageous fight against testicular cancer, his amazing yet now tarnished Tour de France wins... And the elephant in the room, the doping scandal that rocked the cycling world, made us all throw away those yellow Livestrong bracelets we all used to wear.
0: What's up, everybody? We're stepping outside the norm with this commercial break with an ask from all of you, our audience. AHC Podcast is made up of three guys who love to entertain, learn, and hopefully take our listeners to a place they can get away from the buzz of everyday life and get a few laughs. What is it we're asking for? we need some help marketing our show. We're looking for someone who can help with our social media presence, collaborations with other podcasts, and just generally help us spread the word of what we like to do. If you work in marketing, production, or hell, are just really good at this kind of stuff in general, contact us through any of our social media platforms at AHCPodcast, or through our email at a55wholecourt at gmail.com. And just to throw this out there, You won't be volunteering your time. We'll pay you. Hit us up. We'd love to see what you can do. We want to share our show with as many people as possible. Thanks in advance for your help. And now, back to this episode of Asshole Court.
2: By 1996, the 24-year-old Armstrong was at the top of his game. He won his second Tour de Pont, and he signed a $2 million contract with the French-based Cofitis Racing Team. A bout of bronchitis forced him to drop out of the Tour to France in early summer, and a week Armstrong had a disappointing 12th place finish at the 1996 Olympics in Atlanta. By the fall of 96, he was still feeling tired and weak. He complained of pain in his testicles, and when he began to cough up blood, Armstrong became very alarmed. As yeah. would I. Your nuts hurt yeah. coughing up blood. That's not a good sign. Something's off here. I mean,
1: can you imagine having a cycle with your nuts hurting? I
0: mean, oh, God, yeah. Damn.
1: Yeah. God, it's like having to... like. Do a shift as a bartender or a waiter with chapped ass all day, but worse somehow.
2: I used to, when I bartended in college, I would wear tights. You have to, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because I would get so much walking swamp ass. Yeah, you yeah. get
1: chapped ass and it's game over. So imagine worse, like you know, hurt. Being
2: a bartender is kind of like an athlete. One year on Halloween, we had a band play at the bar. I worked and it was a pretty cool local band. There was a ton of people there. And I got so hot, I had to step away, and I barfed in a trash can, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, just like a pro-athlete would. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I bartended. Right in the middle of the- Yeah, know. and I wasn't while well, I was drinking, but yeah. I was really more just hot and overheated yeah. and barfed in the can and then came back in a courageous comeback of my own to finish the shift. I hey.
1: bartended a New Year's Eve night, 12-hour shift. Didn't pee one time. Ow. Didn't have time. I thought about just have, like hooking a tube up so I could you know piss into my shoe. Mm-hmm. Didn't do it though So yeah We, we pretty much are Like world class athletes You
0: might want to go Get your testicles checked yeah. You know For not peeing For 12 hours Yeah so it
1: probably wasn't good But I didn't Yeah I probably have <laughs> cancer.
2: I t- Well, I tell you what Sometimes when we Play golf It's so hot yeah. I'll drink 4 or 5 Gatorades And I won't piss The whole time we play See yeah. what I'm talking about yeah. World class athletes World class sure. yeah. Yep In a golf cart mm-hmm. it yep. gotta be the electrolytes mm-hmm. On October 2nd 1996 just weeks after his 25th birthday, Armstrong visited urologist Jim Reeves in Austin, Texas for a diagnosis of his symptoms. The young cyclist was diagnosed with testicular cancer that had also spread to his lungs, abdomen, lymph nodes, and brain.
1: Dude, I mean, that's a fucking death sentence. Dude. Oh, it really is.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they... When he
0: was talking about it, he walked in and, you know, got all checked out. And the doctor was like, it's so serious. I've scheduled surgery for tomorrow at 7 a.m. Oh, That's
2: exactly right. The following day, Armstrong has surgery to remove the diseased testicle. So one nut Lance was born. Yeah, right
0: Uniball. During the interview on the 30 by 30, they asked him, do you think that the drugs was, you know, what gave you cancer? And he said, um, I don't know if it's yes or no, but I certainly wouldn't say no. He said, the one thing I will tell you is the only time in my life that I ever did growth hormone was the 1996 season. And so just in my head, I'm like growth, growing hormones and cells. If anything good needs to be grown, it does. But wouldn't it also make sense that if there was anything bad that it, too, would grow? So that's kind of his little theory on it. Yeah,
1: Thanks, Dr. Armstrong. (laughs) 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 Yes, I didn't realize he was he was doping that early on, huh? That, so, dude was,
2: that kid was probably doping in high school. So when he was on the Motorola team, some guy later came back and said everybody in that team was doping. Yep. And most of the guys would admit to it later down the road, but the Motorola team swears that they didn't do it. Yep. But I think he... Bullshit. You know, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Right. When Reeves was later asked in an interview what he thought about Armstrong's chance of survival, he said, almost none. We told Lance initially 20 to 50% mainly to give him hope. But with the kind of cancer he had, with the x-rays, the blood tests, almost no hope.
1: Yeah, once it metastasizes, it's pretty much game
2: over. That same month, on October 25th, his brain lesions, which were found to contain extensive necrosis, and were surgically removed by Scott Shapiro, professor of neurosurgery at Indiana University. So he did have some pretty stout doctors helping him through it, obviously.
0: Working around the clock.
2: Think about
1: that, man. He's having his fucking brain cut out. uh
0: Yeah. He had a big horseshoe cut on the back of his head. I mean, I'll
1: say this right now. Like, I don't like the dude, but- I mean, fucking, it is a goddamn miracle that he didn't die. Oh, 100%. Yeah. No well, that's
2: yeah. why he captivated all of America. It's true. Because you hear this story and you're like, this motherfucker is at the top of the world. Yeah. <clears throat> and he almost was dead a couple years ago, yeah. you know?
0: Yeah, that's that's one of the issues I have with him. It's like, God struck him down, was like, mm-hmm. look, you know, you, I'm smiting you, mm-hmm. stop. And then he just comes back and he keeps on, you know, there's no, he's like, you know what? Yeah, I'm going to keep on doing this. So here's a question I have
1: because there's conspiracy theories about everything, including that Stevie Wonder isn't blind. Are there any conspiracy theories out there that Lance Armstrong really didn't have cancer and just built this up as a PR, uh, coup? Uh, I don't, none, I, I, none I'm not, heard. I'm not, I'm not saying that's the case. I'm just saying, statistically speaking, somebody out there is probably like, Lance Armstrong did, I mean, come on, there's a, a conspiracy theory that Magic Johnson doesn't have AIDS, which I believe, by the way. <laughs>
2: I don't know of anybody that would have a nut removed and brain... How do you know? You ever seen his balls? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) I felt them too.
1: That's why he was just trying to get that Uniball sponsorship for the pen company. the pen company. (laughs) That's right.
2: Absolutely. Armstrong, however, was not ready to give up. He read everything he could about the disease and changed his diet, giving up coffee, dairy products, and red meat. After consulting with his doctors, Armstrong decided to forego the traditional treatment for brain tumors, which is radiation. Side effects from radiation can include a loss of balance and scarring of the lungs, which would mean that he would probably never race again. Mm. Instead, doctors performed surgery to remove the tumors and then administered an alternative and aggressive form of chemotherapy.
1: He said, "Uh, I'd really like to know about the disease that I'm battling here, doctor. Are there any books that you suggest?
2: How to Beat Cancer.
1: (laughs) Here's one. (laughs) So
0: you're going to die.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Chicken soup for the soul.
0: Yeah. Who moved my cheese? Wait, no, 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 no. no, (laughs) Wait, no. That's next.
2: Between rounds of chemotherapy, Armstrong continued to ride his bicycle as much as he could, and he never lost his determination to return to professional cycling. At the same time, he was on an emotional roller coaster. As he told Time Magazine in 1999, I had all the same emotions when I was sick as I have as a competitive athlete. At first, I was angry. Then I felt motivated and driven to get better. And then when I knew I was getting better, I knew I was winning. Armstrong's determination to win paid off when in February of 1997, he was declared cancer-free.
1: You see, you hear that, people? If you have anybody that you know in your life that has cancer, they just have to want to beat it bad enough. You know what I'm (laughs) saying? Get competitive with that thing. Just tell it, I'm the boss. It'll probably work.
2: Well, (laughs) think about this, though. October 2nd of 96 is when he was diagnosed and went through all that shit. February of 97, he was cancer free. So it was like four months, five Jeez, months. Yeah.
0: That's insane. I I'm mean, for anybody, to, but I mean. Your I conspiracy
2: know. theory is starting to ring. Home <laughs>
0: <home>. <laughs> I may have just spawned one. Someone
1: Google this. I want to see. We're not, we don't have to do it right now, but we're going to Google this. Someone has to have a conspiracy There's theory. There's got to be
2: a conspiracy um, yeah. theory out there. Still physically and emotionally weak. Armstrong returned to training with a vengeance but getting back on his bike proved harder than he had imagined. His spirits especially dropped when he found out that his contract had been canceled by Cofitis and considered him to be a public relations risk because of his illness. And that God kind of fucked damn, up. who
1: made that decision? Man, you are crazy. a cancer yeah. so look, because um, of your cancer. We have this guy on the team, and he has like really bad cancer. What do you think we should do about this contract? I mean, do you think people will be mad if we cancel it? Will it become a big deal? Probably nah. not. He's going to die anyways. It's he'll right. never find out. <laughs> I can't imagine making that decision.
2: Yeah, that's, that's hard in the pain.
1: At least have him as a mascot. Something. Yeah. Yeah,
2: exactly. Throw him a bone. Cancer oh, no. Lance,
1: come on over here and help the team. You know what I'm saying? Sit there in your wheelchair with your chemotherapy. Cheer your on your chemo the Tour therapy. de Lance. Yeah. All right. Go, guys. Yeah, <laughs> He's got to find a place for that guy.
2: Right. Armstrong was fortunate to sign with the U.S. Postal Service cycling team, but his salary dropped from $600,000 pre-cancer to $200,000 a year. In his autobiography, Armstrong half jokingly called his pay cut an eighty percent cancer cut.
1: Yeah, dude. They're like oh. dude, hey, sorry, Lance. You're damaged goods. They cut that malignant part of my salary out. That's right. You're damaged goods, brother. You know what I'm saying? Like if you had two nuts, that six hundred thousand seem more reasonable, but
2: <laughs> you know A scar on your head's worth some money too. That's it. Once Armstrong displayed his testicular fortitude and beating of the disease that threatened <laughs> his professional career and his life. He went on a run that cycling has never seen in its history. Before his cancer treatment, Armstrong had participated in four Tour de France races, winning two stages. Not races, but stages. In 1993, he won the 8th stage, and in 1995, he took stage 18. How many stages are there? It's like 21 stages or So yeah, the modern Tour de France consists of 21 day-long stages over a 23-day period and covers about 2,200 miles. Dude, that's insane. I remember
0: some of his teammates were talking about, it's like the equivalent of running a marathon every
2: day for 21 Mm -hmm. days in a row. So just a a humble brag of my family. Uh, My stepdad rode his bicycle from Seattle to Savannah when he was 64 years old. Wow. Yep. Took him about two and a half months to do it. My mom and the dog would drive ahead in their Prius and set up camp, and he would ride between 80 and 150 miles a day. Jeez, man. man. How how was he at the end of it? I mean, he had to go to urgent care twice because his back was jacked. Obviously, he would take a little bit of time off in between. But yeah, he was pretty solid for about two and a half months. Dude, at 64? Dude, that's insane. He's going to do it again next summer. He's going to go from Maine Maine to Miami. Oh, wow. All right. So just the complete opposite. Yeah. 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 Okay. Armstrong began his cycling comeback at the 1998 Tour of Luxembourg. In his first international race since returning from cancer, Armstrong showed he was up for the challenge by winning the opening stage of the race. In 1999, he began to build his legacy by becoming the second American after Greg LeMond to win the Tour de France. He repeated that feat in July of 2000 and followed with the bronze medal at the Summer Olympic Games that year.
0: Yeah, they talk about the '99 Tour and he had some teammates on there and one of them was um, Frankie Andreu. He was one of the guys that held off on doping he was one of his best friends and he you know he was one of the few guys that actually got to talk shit to lance without having any fear of anything coming back everybody else was like you know here's god you know we're not gonna we're not gonna offend him but frankie had that best friend status with him so he could say stuff like that now frankie's girlfriend at the time betsy was also you know pushing both of them but at the same time she was completely against the drugs. And all the doping and stuff. And then in the 99 tour, she says that she flips it on the TV and she's watching. And they get to like, it's like day 18 or 17, something like that. And they get to Sestriere, which is one of the biggest mountains. And she sees her boyfriend, Frankie, like at the front of the pack. And she's like, Frankie's like a worker bee. He's, you know, he helps the team. He assists where he can, but he's not a climber. He's not a front runner. Mm -hmm. But here he is at the fucking front of the pack at one of the most difficult parts of it. And for a long time, and all of her friends are like, oh, look at Frankie. And she's like, God damn it. He's juiced up. I know it. They're Mm -hmm. all juiced up. And she was one of the few, you know, on the front end of it being like, this is bullshit.
2: And that was when Armstrong's claim to fame is when he hit the mountain stages, that's where he crushed it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, He would hit those tough mountain terrains and just kill it. That's when he would make up time and start to win the jerseys again. See, mm-hmm.
1: and I'm going to be honest here, because all during this time where he was winning all this stuff, it seems like everybody really got into cycling and shit. You know, like all of a sudden everybody was a big cycling fan. I didn't. I was just like, I don't care that much. I don't understand how that works. So you have a team and somebody or is like a role player. For the, what is What okay. does that mean? Can, anybody, can either one of you guys explain this to me? Because I don't understand it, to be honest.
2: So a lot of the team cycling comes into play when they're all packed up. Mm-hmm. and you'll have guys that are essentially kind of building a draft wall to cut aerodynamics okay. and they'll let guys kind of remember like leapfrog where one guy's running yes, in the yes, back okay. and run up sure. to the front of the line and so it's like legitimate shake and bake a little yeah. bit yeah. Okay. yeah yeah it is legitimate shake and bake but
0: then on the flip side your teammates are also trying to thwart the other teams sure. you know you got you know packs of four guys yeah. that are kind of slowing up a little bit to mess up the germans a little yeah. bit you know and they're having to kind of go around you and stuff like
1: that. Yeah. So he, so he, like Lance Armstrong is Ricky Bobby, and his buddy is Cal Naughton. Yeah, yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah, that's right. Yeah.
2: There you go. Armstrong bolstered his legacy as the generation's dominant rider by handily winning the tour in two thousand one and two thousand two. However, notching a fifth victory, tying the record held by four other riders, proved to be his most difficult accomplishment. Stricken by illness before the start of the race, Armstrong fell at one point after snagging a spectator's bag and barely avoided another crash by swerving across a field. He finished one minute and one second ahead of Germany's Jan Ulrich, the closest of his tour triumphs. So, side note on this one. When Armstrong fell, catching some European man purse, his rival Ulrich <laughs> waited for him to get up and get going again before he took off. So, this uh, dude literally, yeah. they were like the biggest two. Jan they were the two, yeah. Yep, they were big rivals. Ulrich saw him crash and was like, you know what? I'm going to wait for him to get up before I start going just to make it, you know. I don't yeah. know. He got some sort of like sportsmanship award at yeah. the, end of the race for that.
0: Lance is quoted as saying that, you know what? Nobody else on the tour scared me. And nobody else had me waking up and getting, you know, my early laps in except for Jan. Jan yeah. was the guy that made me wake up and I was scared of, you know. Mm-hmm. So, okay. But they actually ended up developing a really good friendship. Sure. Respect. Man. Yeah, absolutely. Yep.
2: Armstrong was back in top form to claim his record-breaking 6th Tour win in 2004. He won 5 individual stages, finishing a comfortable 6 minutes and 19 seconds ahead of the next competitor. After capping his astounding run with a 7th consecutive Tour victory in 2005, he retired from racing. At his peak, he had a resting heart rate of 32-34 to beats per minute with a maximum heart rate of 201 beats per minute. Damn, dude. Yeah, dude. Wild. He was a machine. Yeah. yeah. 32 beats per minute. Yeah, that's crazy. That's once every other That's second. insane. Yeah. And then as high as 201.
0: Yeah, he can get it. Yeah. yeah. He could probably pass lie detector tests and shit like that, you know. No, he's fine-tuned, bro. He's a machine, for mm-hmm. real.
2: At this point, Armstrong had definitely hit legend status in the U.S. and started what would be, at the time, one of the most popular widespread charities in the country, Livestrong. Yep, the one with the yellow bracelets. Livestrong was founded in 1997 as the Lance Armstrong Foundation. Livestrong's mission statement is, Helping cancer survivors and their loved ones has been our goal from day one. We believe in putting the survivor first, and that is why we created tools and resources to help ease the challenges of a cancer diagnosis. They offer cancer support services, community programs, and work with legislators for system change. If you go on the LiveStrong website today, you will hardly see any traces of Armstrong listed in their history. It's true. No, 100%.
1: And I mean it's a very noble cause and very respectable. I never had a LiveStrong bracelet. No,
0: but those things generated so
1: much oh, money. Oh man. Cuz Oh, everybody had them. Oh yeah. Everybody. It was like it was like a slap bracelet. I think they sold bracelets. 8 million of them, yeah. I think, yeah. uh, Oh, total. I, I remember everybody had them. It oh, was just like whatever. I didn't have
2: the LiveStrong, but I liked the offshoot bracelets of different colors and yeah. different stuff. It'd be like I farted today or something there, like know, that. <laughs> I was going to
1: say, I, I had the, the team cancer bracelet.
0: <laughs> I was <just> the contrarian.
2: <laughs> it's just, I'm kidding. I no. rocked an Atlanta Braves bracelet. Okay. No real cause, but, yeah. you know.
0: The one thing that, you know, I found interesting about Livestrong, this is starts to paint my picture of Lance a little bit. When all the shit hit the fan and all the board members, a lot of the board members, they were all his friends, basically. They sure. all were, you know, friends together. Mm-hmm. They kind of just had this idea like, shit, why don't we start a foundation? And they talked about it in the beginning. They were running it out of one of the dude's garages. And once Lance won one of the tours, they were like, they got calls. They were like, dude, your website has shut down all of our servers. You mm-hmm. need to expand a little bit. Yeah. So, I mean, this really just grew from the ground floor up. Yeah. Um, but when all the shit hit the fan, they have, of course, they had to distance themselves from Lance. Yep. You know, I mean, as an as an organization, <laughs> with that going on, why wouldn't you disassociate yourselves with them? Right. Yeah. But Lance was asked about it and they, it was like. What's your feelings on Livestrong? And he was like, man, the Livestrong situation angers me. If it were me, I would have said, you're in a timeout, an indefinite timeout. But you're still the founder, and we realize that at some point, the dust will settle. And not just you, but we as an organization. Me, you, we, the organization can reemerge. I work too hard to make it great, and it's just a bummer. He basically sounds like the spoiled brat, mm-hmm. like... How could they remove me from yeah. this foundation? Right. Like I, I went and saw these kids. Like, yeah, you went and saw the kids, but it was all based off of a lie and all this stuff. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, he so, did
1: start the organization though, and what's funny is that they were like immediately like, well, let's fucking back away from this dude because we have to, and and it still ended up dying out pretty much anyway. I mean, it's still there, right? But, but it not doesn't have any of the power it did yeah. at the time or whatever. It's enforced. always kind of
2: weird to see the founder of a company get kicked out. I remember when uh, George Zimmer Got kicked out of Men's Warehouse Yeah He started the company Yeah Papa John's Yeah John Shatner Steve Jobs Got booted Steve
1: Jobs got booted From Apple back in the Late 80s
2: Yeah Just kind of odd That's what happens When you go public And you got a board Of directors that Make the calls Instead of you
0: You know my theory A little bit is Is that the Livestrong Was And we haven't really Gotten into A lot of his Assholery in my opinion But to me Livestrong Was the vehicle That he could wash Away all of his sins Mm Mm-hmm and we'll get into it here in a little bit, you know, more of a dickhead, but this is where he could be like, hey, uh, I go see kids and yeah. I, you know, I may, you know, I'm the last one they see and I give them hope." Yeah. They say
1: raised a fucking ton of money for cancer research. Oh, yeah. There's no yeah. way around no. it.
0: Uh, th- there have been many people who have talked about how there's no comparison. It is literally night and day when you look at if you were diagnosed with cancer before, live strong and diagnosed with cancer after live strong. One of the ladies was like, I got diagnosed with cancer in the early 90s and I, you know, went to the doctors, it was at the top facilities, you know, they were kind of giving me a little bit of advice, but it was really just a bunch of shit. And I actually read a like a Newsweek article with Lance Armstrong where he talked about before he went and gave, you know, had his testicle removed, he went to a fertility doctor and had his sperm stored yeah. or banked so that way he, you know, could have children moving forward. And she was like i was learning about shit through lance armstrong that my doctor should have been telling me. yeah sure you know and this is yeah he was I mean, like
1: freeze your sperm that's what you need to do lady <laughs> <laughs> blow a load in this cup because you're going to want to have kids after you survive this <laughs> why say many words when few do well five star good now back to show
2: So, what did Lance do to make him a villain in his own sport, and a disgrace in the eyes of most? Well, he cheated. Cheaters throughout history tend to wind up shunned from whatever sport or profession they're in, and find it hard to get back in the good graces of other people. Anyone remember Barry Bonds and Mark McGuire pre-steroids? Oh yeah, they were at the top of their game. Barry Bonds' head was the size of a normal person's head.
1: (laughs) Maybe Maybe even a bit smaller,
2: like an orange. But when he allegedly started juicing, he looked like a home run hitting Stewie from Family Guy. True. Oh, man, that's so true. Yep. You
1: know, him and McGuire. McGuire had, like, neck knee. Yeah. Like, he was getting hit hard with the acne from the steroids. And his forehead, straight up movie screen. Yeah. Oh, man, and he, and he had some thing. Casey Anthony back Dude, it was, yeah, his neck. You could see all of that stuff like that. But, and I, being a big baseball fan growing up, I remember when he was on the U.S. Olympic team. And, of course, when he was with the Bash Brothers, he was getting bigger around then. By the time he's with the Cardinals, like man, yeah, it looked insane, dude. And I just remember being like, it's so fucking obvious that this guy's on steroids. Yeah. But everybody was just like, don't talk about that shit. We want to see him hit his 71st yep.
0: home run. OK, now that's funny. They asked Lance the same thing. They were like, hey, Lance, let me just ask you. There had to be somebody along the lines like your friends, you know, your buddies. They were like, hey, man, I know all this is going on in the news. But come on, tell me.
1: Yeah
2: did you juice man come on right. he's like no nobody none of my friends nobody ever asked me that mm-hmm. it was always just straightforward well honestly that tells you how many either lack of friends he had or what kind of friends he yeah had. i'm
0: calling bullshit yeah all right because i let, let's just flip this all right mikey is a is winning tour de france's left and right you're gonna tell me that me and randy aren't gonna be like one night after a couple beers and hey, mikey Come on, bro. You're juicing? Like, come
1: on. (laughs) If I won a tour to France, you guys better ask me if I'm juicing because (laughs) Jesus Christ. (laughs) Hey, dudes, I thought I'd pick up a new hobby. Cycling. I won a tour to France. Uh, You know, no big deal. Just started uh, training last year. Yeah. No, it was was obvious. The statistical analysis of it, you're just like, nobody is doing that.
2: Right. There's no
0: way you're winning fucking seven. Mm -hmm. And interestingly enough, when he came back in 99 and won the tour, his first tour. Yep. It was actually the fastest run tour to that time. And he's on the heels of just beating cancer. Mm-hmm. And he's like, I'm clean as a whistle. woohoo!" Yeah, And, you know, beating the world record. Yeah. yeah.
2: Mm. Despite the inspiring narrative of Armstrong's triumph over cancer, not everyone was convinced it was valid. Irish sports writer David Walsh, for one, became suspicious of Armstrong's behavior and sought to shed light on the rumors of drug use in the sport. In 2001, he wrote a story linking Armstrong to Italian doctor Michele Ferrari. Although Ferrari was banned from practicing medicine with cyclists by the Italian Cycling Federation, according to Italian law enforcement authorities, Armstrong met with Ferrari as late as 2010 in a country outside of Italy.
0: Yeah, they talked about Ferrari, and everyone knew if you were going to see him, you were getting doped. That was, Mm, you know...
2: Pretty much it.
0: But everybody was getting doped back then in cycling, and Mm. it wasn't like this was a big secret But then they started pressing him and they were like, hey, no more fucking doping. We're really trying to get ahead of this thing. But, you know, Lance had the intelligence to see that Ferrari was special in terms of his understanding of the physiology and of the drugs and how they interacted together. With his charisma and his natural intelligence, Lance was able to endear himself to Ferrari and become the atom of what would be Ferrari's creation. You keep doing your job as Frankenstein, and I'll be the best monster you've ever created. And Ferrari loved him for that. The perfect
2: fucking student. Sure.
1: I mean, there was a point where Lance did pop on a test.
2: Yeah. And they said it was, I'll get into that in a second. Yep. They essentially backdated a prescription. Yeah. To get him out of it.
0: Yeah, that was part of, you know, WADA, the World Anti-Doping Agency. They were basically saying that the problem was that at the time, the athletes were ahead of the system. They knew what tests were coming at them, and a lot of the stuff that they were taking wasn't popping up on the test. And it said it took a couple of years for WADA to catch up and figure out the products they were using for starters, and then having to develop the tests to test for it afterwards. That's usually so. how
2: it's worked: is the the cheaters are out ahead of the testers, yeah. and they have to play catch up. Yeah, yep.
1: exactly. That's how it works in everything: crime, yeah. hacking, yeah. Sort
2: of like, according to Cycling News, the United States Anti-Doping Authority reveals an intimate role played by Dr. Michelle Ferrari in masterminding Armstrong's Tour de France success. According to the USADA report. Armstrong paid Ferrari over a million dollars from 1996 to 2006, countering Armstrong's claim that he severed his professional relationship with Ferrari in 2004. The report also includes numerous eyewitness accounts of Ferrari injecting Armstrong with EPO on a number of occasions.
0: Yeah. And they say in many ways EPO is a safe drug. Assuming taken properly, assuming taken under the guidance of medical professionals, and taken in conservative amounts, Lance says, you know, there are far worse things that you can put in your body. But... Just to kind of give you a frame of reference, the performance enhancing benefit of it can be 10%. Right Now consider that the difference between the first place rider and the last place rider in the Tour de France is generally about two hours. Okay, and that's over a 100 hour race. So from the first to last is two percent, right? Right, and the difference of EPO is ten percent.
1: That's a huge, yeah, it's huge.
0: All right, so now I mean it's more complicated than that. But yeah, but course, it's a good, it's a good. that gives you a glimpse yeah, into yeah, it. Kind of yeah. a. a I want to try.
1: I want to blood dope so bad. <laughs> I do as like because you guys know I like to run races and shit like that, and I'm just like I just please any listeners that are doctors and you want to let Mikey blood dope and just run some local yokel race, I'll do it. <laughs> I want to try blood doping. I want to try <laughs> anabolic steroids like oh, Wisterol. I want to try HGH. I want it all, man. I want to try it. I don't, you know, I want to do this. I want to to see what happens because I, I understand. I know a friend of ours that did a cycle and was just like, I've never felt better in my entire life. I just want to give it a shot.
2: <laughs> I'd wind up being the baddest office worker you can imagine. <laughs> Fucking managing the shit out of people. Yeah. In 2004, reporters Pierre Ballister and David Walsh published a book alleging Armstrong had used performance-enhancing drugs titled L.A. Confidential, Les Secrets de Lance Armstrong, The Secrets of Lance Armstrong. It's a horrible title. Yeah. The Secrets de Lance. De Lance. Another figure in the book, Steve Schwartz, Almost sounds Schwart. like Shart. <laughs> yeah. Steve Schwartz, his pants. <laughs> Swart claims that he and other writers, including Armstrong, began using drugs in 1995, while members of the Motorola team, a claim denied by other team members. Among the allegations in the book were claims by Armstrong's former Soignet, Emma O'Reilly, that a backdated prescription for cortisone had been produced in 1999 to avoid a positive test. Yep. Yep. So I had to Google what the hell a Soignet was.
1: Yeah, I don't know what that is either. Is yep. that, is that, that's the chick from Mortal Kombat, right? <laughs>
2: It's an assistant responsible for feeding, clothing, massaging, and escorting riders from the French term for the one who provides care. So, a whore. Like, I was just <laughs> about to say, it sounds like right on the edge of being a hooker, yeah. but they have a title in the cycling world. Oh, you want me to
1: massage your ball? <laughs> I massage your back. Massage I get you why. <laughs> oh, you make your own lotion out of your wee wee. <laughs>
0: <laughs> we will use it again
1: later. <laughs>
2: A 1999 urine sample at the Tour de France showed traces of corticosteroid. A medical certificate showed he used an approved cream for saddle sores. That's what it was. Which contained the substance.
1: I'm back in the saddle again. <laughs> oh, man.
2: Saddle sores. Yeah, dude. Uh. What are you,
1: a cowboy? <laughs> cowboy up. I'm here to kick ass, dudes. Well, again, uh, cortisone. Also want to try that. Want <laughs> to try all the drugs. I've had a cortisone shot. It helped immensely, Oh, right?
2: absolutely. Yeah. yeah.
1: I just want to do. It. I don't even have any injuries. Just it's let just me an just give it a shot.
2: Basically, yeah. yeah but yeah. you
1: know, I mean, all right. Let's get those flames down. Mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> the plot thickened in 2010 when former U.S. Postal writer Floyd Landis, who had been stripped of his 2006 Tour de to France win for drug use, admitted to doping and accused his celebrated teammate of doing the same. That prompted a federal investigation, and in June 2012, the U.S. Anti-Doping Agency brought formal charges against Armstrong. The case heated up in July 2012, when some media outlets reported that five of Armstrong's former teammates, all of whom participated in the 2012 Tour de France, were planning to testify against Armstrong. The cycling champion vehemently denied using illegal drugs to boost his performance, and the 2012 U.S. ADA charges were no exception. He disparaged the new allegations, calling them baseless. On August 23rd, 2012, Armstrong publicly announced that he was giving up his fight with the U.S. ADA's recent charges and that he had declined to enter arbitration with the agency because he was tired of dealing with the case, along with the stress it was creating for his family. After the U.S. ADA's report, all of Armstrong's sponsors dropped him. He reportedly lost $75 million of sponsorship income in one day.
0: Woof. When he was on Oprah, Oprah was like, how much did you lose? And he was like, it was a $75 million day. And Oprah looks at him, just kind of like deadpan, like, "I feel you, playa," because I mean, she's probably the only one who can understand what a seventy-five million dollar loss is. Everybody else is like,
1: "Yeah, seventy-five million dollar haircut." Hold on, let me backtrack here. Though he said it was messing up his family, so he did have kids. Yeah,
0: he was married
2: five kids. Yeah, so he married a lady right after he got out or through like chemotherapy while I was dealing with cancer. Yeah, yeah. So
0: so early two thousand. So he had
2: frozen his semen. I was gonna say so I could say. To his kids, to their
1: face, and be like, you know, you guys are the product of basically a nut popsicle.
2: (laughs) Yes. Okay. I'll I'll just keep that in mind if I ever run
1: into one of the Armstrong kids. All right.
2: (laughs) Then there was the interview with Oprah on January 17th and 18th, 2003, where he essentially came clean.
0: That was the dumbest PR move I've ever seen. But he was like, it was all gone in 48 hours. Like that, gone. Yep. I wouldn't change a thing. I work for myself now.
2: Oprah Who
0: asked him, loses $75 million in one day? Is like, I wouldn't change a thing. Right.
2: Yeah. Oprah asked him, did you ever take banned substances to enhance your cycling performance? Yes. Was one of those banned substances EPO? Yes. Did you ever blood dope or use blood transfusions to enhance your cycling performance? Yes. Did you ever use any other banned substances such as testosterone, cortisone, or human growth hormone? Yes. In all seven of your Tour de France victories, did you ever take banned substances or blood dope? Yes. Was it humanly possible to win the Tour de France without doping seven times? Not in my opinion. That generation, I didn't invent the culture, but I didn't try to stop it either.
0: Yeah. I mean, they talk about cyclists beforehand. And I mean, they were
2: using meth. They were using cocaine. They were talking about all sorts (laughs) of things. Talk about beats per minute on your heart. God almighty.
0: They were talking about riders that would jump on trains to try and get ahead and like jump into cars and stuff. There was even one that talked about they would tie... Dental floss to a bumper and put it through a cork, and then the writer would have it in their mouth and their teeth, and like be pulled by the car. <laughs> and the looked, guy wins, his teeth are all ripped out. It was
1: pretty great, dude. He's
2: wearing the yellow jersey and there's blood <laughs> and all blood over. There.
1: <laughs> well, it's crazy you ever see like the early footage. Of the Tour de France in the early 20th century. These dudes are like rolling around. They're passing cigarettes back and yeah. forth to each yep. other. Like, Oh my clear up the lungs. <laughs> this is the <a> Newport pleasure.
0: <laughs> now, piggybacking on that, when Oprah was talking about, you know, did you ever... No. She asked him, was Betsy right about the assumption of what you said in the Indiana hospital? And that goes back to when he first got sick. And apparently... One of his best friends, Frankie Andreu and his girlfriend, Betsy, were in the room when the doctor came in and they were like, hey, we should leave. Lance was like, no, you can stay. And according to them, the doctor asked, have you ever taken any performance enhancing drugs? And he said, yes, I've taken EPO, cortisone, growth hormone and a doctorone. red <laughs> And both of them, like Frankie and Betsy, were like, what the fuck? Are you kidding me? Like they had no idea any of it was going on. So when she called him out on it later on in Mm. life, I mean, like he came back at her like, what the fuck are you talking about? That never happened. And all of his sights were set on her. And Frankie, he cut off the relationship with his best friend. Yeah. And it's.
2: Yeah.
1: The game has changed. The paycheck is worth more than the friendship. That's right. Oh,
2: 100%. So he caught a lot of shit about not seeming too sorry for what he had done but he did admit guilt to everything he had been accused of Mm -hmm. on May 28th, 2013, Nike announced that it would be cutting all ties to Livestrong. in the aftermath of Armstrong's fall from grace. A CNN article wrote that the epic downfall of cycling star. Once an idolized icon of millions around the globe stands out in the history of professional sports. In a 2015 interview with BBC Armstrong stated, if it was 1995, he would probably do it again. Of course he he would. Yeah. Uh,
1: I mean, think about how crazy it is. That it's the year 2003, and you tell somebody, hey, look, man, in like, I don't know, 10 years, Tiger Woods and Lance Armstrong are going to be disgraced. You'd be like, shut the fuck yeah. up. Right. Just you're like, like Flash, well, what, what, what happened? Well, Lance was doping. You're like, yeah, it makes sense.
2: And Tiger was fucking a Denny's waitress. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, hell, think about a year ago, if somebody was like, this time next year. We're all going to be on semi-lockdown in our houses yeah. and wearing masks everywhere yeah. we go due to a global pandemic. Yeah. And you be like, get the Shut fuck out of here. Up. Sports
0: are going to be canceled. Right, yeah. Shut the fuck mm-hmm. up. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: So, what is Lance Armstrong up to these days?
1: Is he still fucking Cheryl Crow? No, no that oh. was over early August. Yeah. Would you guys like to watch that? I'd be interested to see because sinewy, to see their that. sinewy, tight, skinny bodies rubbing against each other could probably
0: start a fire. I've always had a thing for
2: Cheryl. So, yeah. 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 She's all right. She's,
0: I don't, I'm not a huge fan, but. Uh, I mean, she was old back in early 2000s. So. Well, you
2: know how in porn they always had the view from the guy's butt. And her, <laughs> oh, the you'd have one, his one nut. One nut yeah. yeah.
1: hanging. <laughs> one nut hanging.
2: tie, full tie. Did he lose everything after his fall from grace? Apparently not. In 2009, he invested $100,000 in Chris Sacca's venture capital firm, Lowercase Capital. Mm-hmm. The bulk of that money went to a little-known company Uber. we now know as Uber. First round. Yep. That investment has saved our family, said Armstrong. While he declined to say how much the investment has yielded, he said the number is too good to be true.
1: I'll be honest with you. Here's the other thing, too. That guy had tons of fucking money offshore. Because once you start hitting the range where you're worth like 100, dollars $150,000,000, like... No one really knows what your fucking net worth is. And you constantly protect yourself because lawsuits are coming for you. Oh, yeah. So, of course, he had all these lawsuits and stuff like that. And he can say, like, oh, you know, whatever. And I'm not doubting that he was first round on Uber and that certainly helped him. But that guy had money parked all over the globe. I fucking promise you. He did, but he also had lawsuits
0: coming at him from every
1: angle. Right. No, obviously. But what I'm saying is that even if every lawsuit scored, that guy's never going to be... You're never going to go into Taco Bell and see Lance Armstrong giving you a chalupa. You know right. what I'm saying? No,
0: the but dude see, if the, if the government had really pursued their post office case yeah, for yep. $100 million, mm-hmm. he would have been fucked. It's mm, um, a
2: lot of money.
1: He would still have assets that he has hidden. I, mm-hmm. I promise you that, that's why they don't ever... They never go broke like we go broke. Uh, right. True that.
2: Well, even look at Cristiano Ronaldo and Lionel Messi. Yep. Those dudes both got hammered for tax evasion. Yep. And you're like, oh my God, these guys are worth... Almost a billion dollars, yeah. and they're not paying taxes. Yeah. Well, they're hiding the money. It's and when exactly they find right. out if they're hiding the money, they know you're not paying taxes. On Messi
1: it. was really involved in the Panama Papers because that's what you do when you're super rich now, is you park money in places like, uh, you know, in Panama or at any of these tax shelters or whatever. Of so, course. I mean, I don't want to get off on a tangent here. I'm just saying, like, everybody's like, oh, you almost lost everything. Psh, bullshit,
2: dude. Right. Armstrong owns a coffee shop in downtown Austin, Texas called. Juan Pelota Coffee. One ball. One ball. That's right. The name is a joking reference to his testicular cancer (laughs) with the name Juan being considered by some a homophone for one and Pelota being Spanish word for ball.
1: That's pretty funny. All right, Lance, you get some points for me for that.
2: In the same building, Armstrong owns and operates a bike shop named Mellow Johnny's. After another nickname of his derived from the term Mellow Johnny's, which is French for yellow jersey, the jersey given to the leader of the Tour de yeah. France. Sure,
0: and he has that infamous picture of him on the sofa with the seven yellow jerseys yeah, all yeah. up, and and he started um,
1: a new nonprofit called Die Week. <laughs> 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 it's for people that just want to tap out; they're done with the, with the cancer treatment. What man. was
0: the Doctor Kavorkian style doctor up in Minnesota yeah, or whatever? Suicide. Yeah, who was yeah. that back in the? That was Kavorkian. Was that Doctor yeah, yeah. Death? Yeah. yeah.
1: Die week, yeah, he's all for euthanasia.
2: <laughs> mm-hmm. I always hear euthanasia, and you can't think of youth in, in, in Asia. Asia. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: That's why I remember it so well.
2: Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> so Armstrong is married again and has five kids between his two marriages, and seems to be trying to blend in with normal people after his fall from grace. And that boy's is Lance Armstrong. Now
0: I saw Lance went on to the Joe Rogan podcast. Mm-hmm. And it was a you know about an hour and a half long podcast and it basically states everything that we went through. And but Joe was talking about, he was like, Man, I would have gotten it out of you. And Lance is like, No, no, Fine, you wouldn't yeah. have. He was like, Man, dude, I totally would have gotten you drunk. Or like we would have gone out into the woods and I would have given you mushrooms or something. <laughs> like, but I would have gotten it out of you. And he's like, Yeah, and then you would have told everybody. He's like, No, 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 I wouldn't have told everybody and he's like yeah until you know somebody shows up with a badge and a gun and joe started laughing about it he was like what like, Novitsky was one of the main guys who he was in on the barry bonds steroids issue and he was one of the big guys that brought everything down for lance mm-hmm. <clears throat> so lance is like yeah if novitski had shown up you would have you know given everything and joe was like no i would have gotten my lawyers in there and been like hey why don't you sit in with me on this and uh When he started, you know, flotting around his gun and stuff like that, because that's what he did to all of the other cyclists. They would bring him into the room. And then this FBI agent would come in and he would take off his jacket and show his gun, you know, That's and then flop douche. his patch down onto the table. And they were talking about all the cyclists were like shit in their pants. Mm-hmm. And at that point, you know, just gave everything up at that point. <laughs> Imagine
1: if he just shoots
0: the guy. <laughs> <laughs> Are you doing steroids? Absolutely not.
1: All right. You got one more chance. put this, <laughs> this a gun right to his head. Holy shit, man.
2: Well, it's like in uh, Seinfeld when Kramer moved out to L.A. and they thought he was uh, the L.A. strangler. That's and right. they, uh, they arrested him and had him in the interrogation room and that cop was just hammering him and had him crying. And All of a sudden they got a call. They found another body. He was like, oh, okay. Well, never mind then. <laughs> yeah, but just pure intimidation. Pretty funny.
0: Uh, so Joe goes, uh, what if this federal agent came up to me and was like, yo, I need you to spill all your guts on Lance? You know, I'd have been like, what are you talking about? Are we talking about like Bike riding here? He's like, I would have fucking mocked it. He goes, like kids bike racing? Like, do you have a gun? Are they stealing from people on these bikes? Are they killing people on these bikes? Mm-hmm. Are we really spending federal dollars to find out if Lance Armstrong mm-hmm. fucking cheated? Like, get the fuck out of here. You know?
1: Yeah. So. I mean, I'm going to be honest here. Any sport you love, I don't care who you are, they're doping. They're fucking doping. I promise you this. For instance, I ever, if you listen to the show, I'm a big boxing fan. It's really the only sport I follow anymore. I love Errol Spence. Errol Spence is a great fucking boxer. That dude has gyno out the ass. Like, he looks like he's got, like, bitch tits sometimes. And that's usually a very big sign of doping. Almost all these guys are doping. I just don't, like, and they know ways to hide it. And occasionally they get popped. Tyson Fury, he got popped one time. That's why he got basically barred for, like, a year. He said, oh, I was because I was, uh, I, ate, I ate some wild boar meat. Canelo Alvarez. He popped. He says, oh, I was eating taco meat
0: down in Mexico. And they're
1: all fucking on, they're all on, on, on yeah. performance enhancing drugs. Yep. This is the I
0: real deal. The, the bigger, the bigger flaw in this is that we're dealing with cycling and fighting. All right. Mm-hmm. If you're juiced up on fighting, you're pummeling somebody's head in. And have the ability to really do a lot of physical damage to them. No, I agree. I, I agree We're totally. cycling. There's no harm or foul to your fellow opponent, except maybe you no, force physi- them to use it. There's no you know? physical harm, but it does create a competitive advantage. Yeah. Which it, it, No, 100%. That forces changes. people that wouldn't normally take it to have to take it.
1: We're at a point now with the sporting world that if you are looking at this with like a clear view here, you have to understand that all your favorite people, even I believe, honestly, and as much as I love Kelly Slater... I don't see how you compete at 45 like he does now without being on something, something, something. So we're at a point where I'm just like, we have to figure out how to, like, what do you let in? Like, what do you let in? What do you let, what's approved and what's not? Because everybody's doing it anyways. Mm
0: -hmm. Here's where I lie on this. And this is probably going to feed into my score as well. Mm -hmm i don't fault lance for taking drugs whatsoever Mm. you know this was a sport that was riddled with people taking drugs and it's it's not like you know just like one or two people were taking drugs and it's like i mean you look at those years the mid 90s to mid early aughts they were all taking all sorts of drugs and that Mm. was just part of it i mean you're running a marathon every day for 21 days on roads that are like Mm. five feet long in some parts up mountains and stuff like that. This is not something that you could probably do without some kind of performance enhancing. uh You could do it. Your agent. times
1: wouldn't be competitive. One
0: hundred percent. So, but I don't look at that as the fault for him. Mm-hmm. One thing that I think that we've skirted a, a little bit in this episode is the fact that he went after so many yeah. people. Yeah. That said that he was using drugs. Now, if he was uh, adamant that he took drugs, you know, like there's nobody has anybody to stand that has any ground to stand on, but. Mm-hmm. The sport said, we're not going to allow drugs in here anymore, and he was adamant that he did not take any drugs when it was obvious that he was taking drugs.
2: Oh, look at all of them, man. Yeah. Rafael Palmera went on Capitol Hill and pointed at the people accusing him of doing, I never took steroids. Mm-hmm. He failed the fucking drug test like yep. right after that. You know and what I, mean? I don't care if you sit Sammy there and, and, and you deny yeah. it,
0: but when you use your fortune to personally attack and destroy the people that are coming that's out that's the to thing because he ended up suing people if i recall There's well, they, like would, they many would sue people.
2: him and then he would come back yeah. they no. would accuse him and then he would sue him yes yeah. right. he yeah. would accuse
1: him so like let's look at and, and their accusations a, were accurate 100% so he's maliciously on. going after them financially mm-hmm. sitting on top of a mountain of cash and be like i'm going to fucking silence you and bury you that's mm-hmm. absolute
0: bullshit let's look at greg lamond greg lamond won the Tour de France in like 89 or 87, something Mm -hmm. like that. And he was one of the tops. He went on with Schwinn and he had his Le Mond lined out of Schwinn and somebody was interviewing him and was asking about Lance. And they said, you know, like, what do you think about Lance? And he said something to the effect of he's the greatest athlete that cycling has ever seen. And they asked him, what if it's found out that he's doping? And he responded back. It would be the greatest fraud that cyclists has ever seen. Sure. Okay. That just, you know, it's not like he was attacking him, saying that he's he's using it, right. blah, blah, blah. He yeah. just made that he's statement. He's making a,
1: a, an obvious statement.
0: An obvious statement. Lance heard about it, called him up, and was like, you're going to war with me. And he used his influence, and he had great influence over the cycling world. Right. Obviously,
1: he was the biggest name in the entire. Yeah.
0: Nobody even knew what cycling was until right. this guy shows up. Nobody knew. And he used his influence with Schwinn and got LeMond dropped. From the line effectively like costing them almost like 20 million dollars in revenue and anybody that came up against him, I mean he didn't just like was like fuck you he went after them like mafia style like I'm not only gonna cut you off your legs Mm -hmm. I'm gonna kill your brother your mother like he went after everybody and that's where I have the issue with him. I don't care if you use drugs. I don't care if you're a little bit of a dick. I mean, Michael Jordan was a fucking dick and Mm -hmm. even a dick to some of his, you know, teammates and competitors. You know what? He's talked about it. He was like, I used that to propel myself in my cycling world, but I didn't turn it off when I went into the real world. And that's where I have a major issue with him." No,
1: I think that's like it's obvious on its face. Like that's the
0: shittiest part.
1: Like I said, I just said everybody in sports is probably not everybody. The majority of them are using drugs. That's a minor issue. It's it's unethical
0: when you're sitting here toting stuff like I've shown my class. I've proven my class. We have the oldest secret in the book. Hard work. Yeah. And then, you know, hard work do- is
1: a euphemism for fucking blood doping.
2: Yeah. <laughs> uh, but
1: no, I, yeah, it's like I said, it's, it's obvious on his face. I don't, anybody that looks at the way that he handled that, like I said, maliciously going after people that were telling the truth.
2: Now he didn't have to. He nah. could have just been. Beat- and it wound up getting a lot of countersuits. So once it came out. Yes. They would come back at him and be like, all right, pay me, bitch. Fuck yeah. yeah. And I, yeah. D- of course. Why would you blame them? Yeah.
1: Because the reality is, is that the minute that you get sued, you are out bare minimum, like 20 grand just to get the attorneys working on this. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And these people weren't making Lance Armstrong money Lance Armstrong was making so much crazy money He was such a a national figure That he was showing up in movies like fucking Dodgeball You know what I'm saying? He
0: hung out with George Bush Sr. Bill Clinton George Bush Jr. Yeah, Uh, I mean like
2: that's actually he went mountain biking with uh, W Yeah
0: yeah. Yeah. No, he was one of the biggest celebrities in the country Like I said W called him after he won the Tour de France And he was like, hey, how's it going? He was like Lance goes, I'm wasted Yeah, (laughs) George W goes, I bet you are man <laughs> yeah.
1: I mean yeah. honestly if you if you in that time frame there's nobody bigger in sports than Tiger Woods and Lance Armstrong well
0: mm-hmm. see there's the problem that's why his like 2012 what was it investigation got dropped because he had too many connections to people like Barack Obama mm-hmm. and um, what's the white-haired dude that just died uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh.
1: that was funny as shit
0: (laughs) it hurts hurts. (laughs) John whatever the dude who just died John McCain yeah John McCain he had ties to John McCain and you know so I mean that's why it got dropped because there was too many ties they knew about it forever and
1: yeah we assume we don't know for sure it's a a valid assumption we don't know for
0: sure
2: all right, well, let's wrap this thing up with some final scores from you dudes.
0: All right, my final score for this guy. We didn't dabble on it a lot, but I really don't like that he used his money and fame to, I mean, just decimate people. There is a just long line of people that reporters, columnists, friends, cyclists, fellow, you know, I mean, he just decimated everybody and he used his money to destroy families, not even just, you know make them pay. He destroyed him, And that, I, I don't like that at all. I don't care that he used drugs. And when everybody's using drugs, you know, I, I hate that he went on the offensive for so long and was like, I'm not using drugs. If you're going to sit there and keep on being in the sport, just don't even address those claims if you don't have to. But I think at the end of the day, because of the way that he has acted, the way that he's held himself and you look at him in every interview and it almost seems like this guy is somebody who you ever talk to somebody and you just feel like they feel like they know just so much more than you and everything. Yeah. They're just condes- like everything that you say is just condescending right back. That's how I feel like every interview that I'm looking at with this guy he just feels like he's above the law. Mm-hmm. He got caught and you know he's like you know I'm doing my time but you know I don't really think it's fair everything that happened to me and that's what I got off of the 30 for 30. So at the end of the day I don't think he killed anybody but I do think that he stepped above and beyond and went out of his way to really decimate certain people and just to perpetuate the lie that he was living. Mm-hmm. And for that, I'm going to jump over the seven mark, and I'm going to give him a final asshole score of a 7.5. Okay.
2: All right, 7.5.
1: And I'm going to just go ahead and concur with everything you said. The, the big beef for me is that how vindictive he was with people. When it wasn't really necessary to be so, mm-hmm. he strikes me a bit as a sociopath because everything 100%. is about— him and everything else like i said even his inability to show remorse whatsoever even though he's been coached he has the best pr people in the game that are trying to tell him this is what you do and he physically can't do it because he's just like what the fuck ever uh i won so i won't go as high as you did but i will jump him up to a seven i think he's a dick i would never want to hang out with him uh i don't pay attention to cycling and i just don't care
2: yeah no i'm right in line with that i wouldn't want to hang out with this guy and have beers some of the guys we've put through asshole court it might be kind of fun to hang out with oh 100 a, a john mcafee or somebody like that i would that have a just, couple beers and a axel couple rose lines, you know axel uh, rose yeah, yeah absolutely this guy don't really have any interest in big things more into
0: the tom cruise category for me like, yeah don't or duterte
2: have, duterte yeah. no, i'm just kidding <laughs> <laughs> i want to hang out with Duterte. <laughs> i'm joking no nah. But the, uh, the, just a the lack of remorse, he just stated over and over, I would have done it again. Mm-hmm. And granted, it brought him fame and fortune and a lot of things that made him, you know, to be an American legacy. And obviously a huge, you know, downward spiral after that. But he just doesn't give a fuck. Back to your point, he's kind of a sociopath. Yeah. Like, 100%. he doesn't care what people think of him. You know, it showed zero remorse towards the whole thing. He killed Livestrong single handedly by doing this. Yeah. He, he could have been, uh, uh a good cyclist. and maybe won one or two Tour de Frances, and still promoted and put a lot of energy and time into Livestrong and done real good.
1: Yeah, the story would sell itself anyway. Yeah. Even 100%. if you win one Tour de France, yeah. coming back from terminal cancer. Yeah, it's
2: or, amazing. Maybe that not even win any ticket for the rest yeah. of your life. Maybe not even win any, but just participating and being like, oh, that's the guy from Livestrong. Yeah. I mean, that thing had so much momentum when it was on and popping. Dude,
0: he was on David Letterman all the time. Oh, yeah. He was yeah. at all of these parties with presidents and yep. celebrities. But
2: again, just kind of selfish you know, behavior. Um, zero remorse. Very self-centered. Given Noel Uniball 7.0 final score.
0: Yeah. All right. With a 7.5 from Buddy, a 7.0 from Mikey, and a 7.0 from Randy. Lance Armstrong's final asshole score is a 7.16
2: repeating. There it is. Sounds about right. Yeah. Awesome. We hope you guys enjoy this episode of asshole court. As always, if you like what we do, give us a follow on all of our social media platforms at AHC podcast. We definitely appreciate the support. And if you're feeling froggy, leave us one of those sweet, sweet five star reviews. People like so much. Also, if you have someone you would like to recommend coming to our courtroom, give us a shout out as well. Stay safe out there. Have a great week and we'll see you next time on Asshole Court.
1: Alright. Big bowling ball nut swinger.